Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The following is an unsanctioned episode of After 83 Weeks covering Uncensored 1995. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, everybody, and welcome to After 83 Weeks. This is the show where all you fans for 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff out there to come and uh, talk about the show with us. We break down every episode, and we will also be having the Eric Bischoff calling in to answer your questions just a little bit later. But first, we got to break down everything about the episode on Censored 1995, and I have a whole group of friends here to help me out. Say hello to the guy who runs the YouTube channel that we are currently uh, broadcasting from right now, and that of several of your other favorite wrestling superstars. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Thank you for having me. I traveled via gigabyte internet. <laughs> okay, fancy. Love it. <laughs> Let's see how everybody else got here. <laughs> He's a 13-year veteran of the biz shaking his head. You can see him a little bit later next week on the SmackDown After Show. Hello, Christian Rosenberg. Hey, I was on that truck that, that came down during Unspeaking. <laughs> I was just hanging on the back because it seemed a little crazy up front. Well, I'm glad you made it safely. Thank you. (laughs) And this guy, we call him the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment. His name is George Hermosa. Hello, I'm George, and the Bella Twins just tweeted me. That is actually pretty exciting, and that is a true story. I see it myself, or I wouldn't have believed it. (laughs) He's made it. He's (laughs) officially made it. And I assume we're going to get a lot of fans, a lot of tuning in, everybody. They hear Bella Twins, and they are in on this show. Yeah, when, when, when they say Bella Twins, they think... 83 weeks. <laughs> the 83 weeks crew specifically. Real down. Real down with some Bella Twins. Well, we do love our fans out there, and we want to remind you to subscribe to the 83 Weeks channel. We uh, come on live at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays, and we always like to hang out in the live chat with you. Make sure that you give us a little thumbs up, and you can also listen on Apple Podcasts if that's what you like to do. If you leave a comment, we will shout you out on the show, and we like to do that, so please leave a comment. And on that note, yes, in a few moments, we will be talking to Eric Bischoff himself, but we got to cover this episode of 83 Weeks, which I talked a little bit about what was going down before Uncensored 95, and then, of course, covered the actual pay-per-view, which Eric started off by saying, you know, this one is really not that bad. He was going to defend the F out of it. I don't know if he said the F word or not. That's what I put in my uh, notes. <laughs> but it was not nearly a sellout. It was the first of many uncensoreds. And this whole idea that it's unsanctioned, what they're trying to do here is WCW is trying to give a unique personality to a pay-per-view while adding monthly pay-per-views. This is all kind of a big deal. Yeah, very much a big deal. Like extre- I think Extreme Rules would be another example sure. of... With every match isn't going to be a regular match. And I think he mentioned Dusty Rhodes. This is someone who taught him that every show should have a feel, an experience. Like, you know what Starcade is. You know what Clash of the Champions is. For better or worse, you know what Uncensored is. 
I mean, as a fan uh, being watching WCW, I was excited for this pay-per-view because, like I said, every match was different. I mean, the quality of the match is something else, but even the first match, I think I think the first match is actually very underrated. But I just think, I just like that it was just something different. Like, it wasn't what WWF was producing. WWF was producing WrestleMania in a couple weeks, but even before that, like, it was just kind of where any house hasn't started yet. But even that pay-per-view, I mean, the gimmick was they're going to give away a house. But nothing really different about the actual matches. Yeah. You know? At least with Uncensored, it was all very, very new and fresh. No, it was. It was all very unique matches. I went back and, and rewatched this one, and I I agree with I honestly agree with Eric. Looking back, because I was thinking, like, looking at it on paper, God, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> but then I just rewatch- go, but, but looking but, back. Looking yeah, back, looking yeah, on yeah, paper, yeah. it looked terrible. But rewatching, I'm like... No, this match was pretty good. This one, all right. This match not so good, but this one was good. And, uh-huh. and no, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad paper. There have been far worse paper <laughs> recently. There have been far worse pay per views than Uncensored '95. Recently. So if we're looking at this on paper, does it seem uh, ECW ish to you guys? Because there were sort of these claims that maybe the idea came from Kevin Sullivan. He saw what Paul Heyman was doing down, no, down there at ECW. Not- it's hard to say now because I hadn't been exposed to ECW then. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe Steve can answer that. I, I can't. As someone who's some of my first exposure to like late 90s wrestling, because obviously early 90s wrestling was the cartoony WWF Hulk Hogan yeah. style, but my first exposure to late 90s wrestling was ECW. Uncensored looked nothing like it. The lights were on way bright. No, it, 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 it didn't because it was, I don't want to say gimmicky matches, but like ECW was more so all right, weapons are going to be used all the damn time mm-hmm. for the match. And these weren't necessarily weapons used in every match. We had a boxing gloves in one match. Mm-hmm. We had martial arts referee in one match. So it wasn't it wasn't ECW. Like the Nasty Boys match, that was the closest thing to an ECW type match yeah. that mm-hmm. they had. Well, two things that ECW definitely didn't have was Hulk Hogan and Mean Gene Okerlund. And we got a little dish on both of their side hustles <laughs> at this time. Did you guys know? Do you remember um, Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band? There was like a... The debut I, album? I swear to God, I'm not trying to be funny. There was like a CD or a tape that he sold at the 99 cents store. I swear to God, I have this cassette yeah, somewhere it's at home. Some, it's, like, it's, like, it's not even like, I want to be a Hulkamaniac or something. Yes, like, right? it's, yes, features other songs, including Hulksters in the House it was like and horrible. Beach Patrol. But I swear to God, they had it at the 99 cents store. I, I have this cassette yeah. somewhere at home in Massachusetts. It came it's, out in Germany in 94 and then a wide release in the USA in 1995. Is that when you got it at the 99 cent store? Probably, someone gave it to me as a gag gift at some one <laughs> point because they, they probably found it at the 99 cent store. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going to keep this. Have you ever listened to it? I, yeah. Probably many years ago when I had a cassette bad, player. Though. Could you pick out the uh, vocal stylings of one Linda Boleo or Jimmy Hart? Jimmy Hart you can pick out. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Hart you can pick out. I don't know about Linda. Wow. (laughs) You got to find that. You got to pull that out and bring that for us. Do you have a cassette player? (laughs) I mean, somebody's got to. It's going to come back. I I ordered a record player that came today. Record players are coming back now. It's only a matter of time before the cassettes come back. (laughs) I mean, let's be clear from a collector's standpoint. If you got it for a dollar in 1996, it is worth at least $3. (laughs) That's true. Currently. It is tripled in value. It It is 300% ROI. It's just basic math. And, uh, I mean, Gene was doing some math, raking in all the money on that WCW hotline. This is something that I came across a couple weeks ago and was going to ask Eric about, but came up in this uh, in this episode. So, Conrad's asking about, there was one time when Mean Gene gave kind of a teaser for people to call into the hotline, and he said, you know, which, 
which was it? Which former heavyweight champion, he kind of threw out an age, had recently just passed away. He was meaning to imply that it was Ric Flair. However, he was actually talking about Jerry Blackwell. And Eric says, you know, this was really the first sort of clickbait or driving news and that, yeah, it was distasteful and maybe went a little too far, but that Gene was a pioneer in this kind of thing. And nowadays, even the Weather Channel does it. Does anyone remember being fooled by Mean Gene? Thinking that Ric Flair had left us? No, but I mean, he no. wasn't wrong in what he was mm. doing, you know? Right, absolutely. It's no, it's no different, like you said, the dirt sheets where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this, this, and that, and you click on it, and it's like, oh, wait, that's it. Like, I think Harvey Levin well, was not right. at this not headline. Yeah, we're, we're, that, was a rough so. head, that was a rough headline. We're all victims of, of falling for clickbait. Everyone is at some point for something. Well, yeah, it's fun. And this and this was and it's and right, this was pre-internet clickbait, <laughs> right? Pre-internet paywalled clickbait. Yeah, there was a real death involved. However, Jerry Blackwell really had passed away. <laughs> I'm sure to the Blackwell family, it was just yeah. as stunning if if it was going to be Ric Flair. Right. Well, I, I don't. I think that that's a line Mean Gene probably had to write a lot running that one nine hundred number. Mm-hmm. That and that's. Probably one of the more salacious ones, where it's because a lot of them are like rumor and in, like straight up rumor and innuendo. Like I heard that this happened, and like he was able to say the person's name. Whereas this one is just like I'm telling you one statement, and it's ultimately a but, lie. But during the pay per view itself, I don't think they touched on it during um, their actual podcast. They they mentioned on it. It was like breaking news, a breaking giveaway at the beginning of the show. Mike Tanay announced that the first minute. When you called in, that night was absolutely free. So, like, people could have called in for that first minute to hear the options as far as where it might be. And then you're clicking. By then, obviously, you're in minute two, and now you're going to start paying money. Right. Oh, man. That's rough. Also, have you... Um, I kind of like it. I also like that some poor editor had to go back to every WCW pay-per-view and put a Chiron next to the number saying, number not active. <laughs> yes. Because WWE does not own that 1-900 number. I wonder, okay, that's another experiment we're going to do. We're going to call a 900 number and see see who picks up now. That uh, could be a very fun yeah. event. Um, Not maybe appropriate. Expect a live stream of said event. <laughs> All right, well, since we're going back in time anyway, let's get to the uncensored 1995 pay-per-view. <laughs> Kicks off with a King of the Road match. King of the <laughs> Road. So this was a pre-taped thing. You guys, I'm sure if you, when you went back and watched it, what are your thoughts on this it? This match on what wasn't Eric that bad. Say? There's only one complaint about this match, and that it was too long. It was you definitely cut off too like long. Five minutes because it's like there's only so much you can do in this match. But this match looked like it. For, first off, I would love to be in one of these kind of matches. It just looks like it can be fun to do. You know, mm-hmm. it was different. It was unique. It was just too long because there's only so much you can do. So it's like take away the fact that it's maybe five six minutes too long. I think this match was perfectly fine for what it was. It, no, it, it was it was very different. Um, my question is why open the show with it, which mm-hmm. is something I'm, I want to ask Eric. But it was a very unique concept. Like you said, it's very different, very out there. Yes, they, you can only do so much in a truck full of hay that is stopping <laughs> at red lights and waiting for church buses to go by. And I, I would just like, I love going to the, the shot that they had where they're showing just like two random people sitting on the truck, one of them holding the camera, <laughs> another one probably trying to like. Give them signals for something, right? And but it's just interesting because you got you got all this action going, Shivani and Heenan going nuts on commentary, and then it cuts to that shot, and there are two of the guys just like, <laughs> like not enthralled at all, not enth- just just sitting there watching, no reaction. And like I found that like 
that kind of diminishes a little bit on that. Took a little believability but, away. But hey, Barry Darso. How about Repo Man? How Oof. about Smash? Yeah. I I personally I find it hysterical. Oh, I, I don't know if they were done talking oh, about know. Repo no, and Smash. Oh, I, that no. felt like a complete thought. Oh, how about him? Okay. Yeah, how about him? Bully. I, I enjoyed that by today's standards, for the amount of money they spent, they could have shot this on a green screen without an actual moving truck. <laughs> that it yes. could have been a green screen and a wind tunnel. And then you could have actually set up a ring that wouldn't have moved. And it would you would have been able to have a full match on a green screen and then add the add the like effect later. WWE, you can have that. That's all yours. But do, even so, like, bring back genius. the king of the road. But match. even so, like, how much money did they spend on the helicopter? <sighs> if anything, you do that match with a drone, with like a thousand dollar drone. Like, well, how much money that. would they spend on the helicopter? You can rent the drone for probably like half that. Well, you could do the exterior shot. The, the that the exterior shot you could do with the drone. But what I'm saying is, it would be cheapest and most controlled That's if you no rented fun. if you rented a soundstage with a green screen and then. But you were then able to actually set up a 20 by 20 ring on a flatbed truck because the flatbed truck's not actually moving. Do you guys want this to happen now in 2019? I want, Are you to, trying I want to, to make it, it work? I, I want to be in I that will, match. I will watch George in this match. That's that looked like a it. fun match to be in. I will referee the match. Why, why is a referee needed? Because there's going to be a ring. There's going to be a count. Not the match that I'm in. He has to climb to get the hit the horn. Okay. Yeah. This so is legit going to be in the back of a truck. Well, then I'm going to be referee slash driver. Okay. In the back of a Fiat. When you guys all <laughs> see this actually go down in some Southern California indie promotion <laughs> featuring Dennis or Chris, whatever the heck character you're going by that day, and, your, the, and the Devastator name. 2... Do not be surprised. You heard it here first, folks. All right, let's move on to the martial arts match featuring special referee Sonny Ono, one of uh, Bischoff's BFFs. This was Jim Duggan versus Ming with Colonial Robert Parker. Now, this match. Colonial? <laughs> what? This... Is it Colonial? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Colonial Robert Parker. It's fine. That's his new name. Colonial. Epitome. Abbreviations, people. This match we could have lived without. Um, this was very awkward. Hacksaw's one of those guys where you never watch his matches to watch him wrestle. No. But he is so loved and so over. Yeah. Just by his character. It's such an addicting character that you want to cheer for. But you can't have him in a match longer than three minutes. And, and this was a match that involved martial arts. Yeah, he's not a martial no. artist. No. No. There was very little to defend here. Yeah. Yeah, Eric didn't even bother really to say much. Sometimes sometimes you shoot for the stars and you land in shit. I was surprised. This was one of those moments. Right, and I was surprised that that would happen under Eric Bischoff's watch because he is a martial artist. And, you know, you think of anything, he would probably said like, meh, I don't think that's going to be believable. I just want to know like what like Hacksaw Jim Duggan's reaction was like what like you want me to put me maybe in this kind of like I wonder I'm, I'm curious behind like what is it how is it that they react and how do they make the the psychology or just the best out of the situation but I I loved if you went back and watched it so Hacksaw got ready to compete in a martial arts match by coming to the ring in jeans <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't. I, I've never been in the martial arts match. Karate Kid movies doesn't someone wear jeans? They told him it was. They got his ass kicked. Oh, they didn't tell him what street. Oh, it was martial arts street. He didn't. He didn't got it. pay a whole attention. <laughs> got it. It's a street fight. <laughs> I think the fact that we just kind of um, 
tend to gravitate towards hokey commentary on all this just sort of tells us how good these matches in this pay-per-view really were. How about a boxer versus wrestler match? That's something we've seen a few times, and you know, with Arn Anderson versus Johnny B. Bad. This, according to uh, to Eric, it was good. He said Johnny was believable and that Arn did a great job of getting him over, that there was a lot of good psychology. In I match. enjoyed watching this match, and the crowd loved this match. Yeah, I don't. I, ne- I still never got like the flack that Johnny B. Bad gets. Like, I thought he was a great character. I thought he was over. He was, he was definitely over in this match. He was over enough that Vince McMahon wanted that exact character. He was over enough that he, was like the, I think that was like the first guaranteed contract that he ever got, like yeah. from Mark Marrow. Like he, so much that he signed Mark Marrow, not realizing he couldn't have a character that already existed on another TV show. Right. Like it was, I, I enjoyed this match too. I think there's it blurs the line in sports and sports entertainment where you have a worked boxing match, mm-hmm. but this was still a lot of fun to watch. It, it was fun, like the. Uh, Johnny Band's manager, whose name's escaping me right now, he, um, was a guy to Colonial Parker. Yes, <laughs> not quite. Uh, to to like to WCW audience, they had no idea who he was when he came out with Johnny B. Bad. But then when he jumped on Arn Anderson's back during him, like they just popped huge, um, like threw the bucket on the head, uh, DDT in between rounds. So like there was the heel moves, there was the boxing moves, there was the wrestling moves. This was really well done. This, like this needs to happen. I don't want to say more often because you don't want to overdo it. Yeah. But if this happened once sometime in the next four years, I'd be I'd be game. Mm. Okay, all right. Whoever's taking notes out there, write I, it down. I remember once there was a Cyber Sunday. It might have still been a Taboo Tuesday where it was MVP versus Matt Hardy. And they said it could be a boxing match, a kickboxing match, or an MMA match. And it was resoundingly going to be an MMA match, and then one of them got hurt, so the match never happened. But they were working toward that specifically. That's just a thing I, I don't remember, remember like, that. of times that this could have possibly happened in the modern world. How about this possibly happening? Ric Flair in drag. I know you guys have been waiting to talk about this. Pass. <laughs> I want to talk about the match that he came out in because, again, I thought it was an excellent match up until he came out. Avalanche versus Randy Savage. It was, whew, I watched, like, this was your classic big man versus fast man match. And it was the crowd, again, crowd into it. Macho Man trying to one-up Avalanche, was failing to do so, finally getting the upper hand, and then Ric Flair shows up in a freaking dress. <laughs> I'm just like, but the one, the one thing that got me it was the whole point of uncensored, no disqualifications. And there are no rules. Unsanctioned. The winner of this match as a result of disqualification, <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. I think we all felt that way. <laughs> when we were watching a WWE ECW event and a match ended in DQ where I was like wait sure. this, this is what oh okay so this is what you're gonna do that, that was the only thing like okay Flair came out attacked him Hogan then came out made the save great we still need a winner somehow mm-hmm. and then they just ended the match do any of you remember realizing that in 1995 we were pretty young obviously as fans yeah. Does anyone remember, anyone remember being like hey that doesn't make sense yes. yeah yeah because it was supposed to be like unsanctioned unrolls. I'm mm-hmm. like, wait, ended in a DQ. That, that makes was, no sense. That was that's literally the only finish you thought you wouldn't get in, right. in, a, in a WCW uncensored was a DQ finish, and that's the, that's what we got. Yeah. And what they're claiming is that this match and Big Bubba Robert, Big Bubba, yeah, Big Bubba Rogers and Sting were singles matches. But even then, I'm like, why are you having two singles matches in the middle of a card of a gimmick pay per view? Right, they were kind of lumped together, and really, Bischoff didn't have much to say about Big Bubba Rogers versus Sting. But what did you think of Ric Flair in a dress, Christy? (laughs) You know, he didn't do it bad. 
okay. I wouldn't have expected him to. I mean, come on, he's got those gorgeous blonde locks, and he wore his, um, his mascara pretty well until he <laughs> until it was all over his face. <laughs> it's hard, guys. You know what? It's hard. We should give him some props. There you go. Also, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if anyone would want to do a little uh, flashback to the past and would be willing to do something like that. I mean, if you see Ric Flair and Drag again, don't be surprised. I have a feeling he's. he's I have a feeling he's done it before. Yeah, I think more it could than happen. more than once. <laughs> What do you guys have to say about this Falls Count Anywhere tag team match? We have uh, future WWE Hall of Famers, Harlem Heat versus the Nasty Boys. This was a fun match. Yeah, this, I mean, it's everything that you would expect, and it's just a match where just anything goes and just whatever you want. I mean, uh, I, I want to know was, who was able to get to those concession stands. <laughs> I always love, yes, that aspect of it. Like, he hit him with cotton candy. Yes. And 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 a, and a like a wicker basket. <laughs> this is another match I want to be in. I want to be in a King of the Road match. I want to be in a Texas Tornado Street Fight match where just you know you can just go to this concession and just start. I see an excuse to eat during Did the match. Did you see the, the bumps fall? those guys took yeah. though? Are you sure? Well, I mean, Devastator I, Two doesn't take bumps. Yeah. <laughs> took a bump surprise! Right. Surprise! Took a bump on peanuts last show. <laughs> All right. How about uh, would you like to compete in a leather strap match? No, thank you. No. Not Absolutely not. Maybe a cotton strap match, but not a leather one. That's just the old. It just sounds so old school. Leather strap. Although match. I will say this, this is what I'm going to say. Uh, the Renegade. Uh, I oh think, God! Wait, well, okay, hold on. Why are you saying oh God? No, like you say you say you're no, thinking. No, I want to know because, for example, he like, made Glacier look like Ric Flair. But, but are you saying after the fact or the fact that maybe the buildup was supposed to be Ultimate Warrior? Or you know, no, or we I'm just, all thought it was going to be Warrior, I'm, and then I was like, oh, "Wait, this is this guy's." No, it's not, it's not even that it was an Ultimate Warrior. It was this guy couldn't even run straight. He just tried <laughs> screaming. He no sold a Vader clothesline, which. If Vader wasn't focused on Hogan, he would have died. He would have murdered him there. Well, it's just because with, with with the Renegade, I think I think we were all, at least for me, I was expecting him to bring out the Ultimate Warrior. So for it to not be the Warrior, it was like, oh, sure. it's not the Warrior. Cool. Let me give this guy a chance. As opposed to, I think a lot of the fan, a lot of the fan base was like, oh, boo, this, crapping on this. Okay, Renegade then you got the you know? chance of seeing him in that match. Then it was bad. Okay, because <laughs> my point is like, you look at like Demolition. Where when Demolition first came out, they were clearly a chip, cheap ripoff of the, of the Road Warriors, but they ended up being awesome. Yes, you know. But at least give the Renegade to be a chance to be awesome. God rest his soul. He just wasn't. He just really wasn't. No, he was it, awful. It also didn't help his cause that if you look looking back, Warrior did wind up in WCW. Yeah. So like that muddles the timeline even further. That if you're looking back without any context, you're like, well, there was the Renegade in '95, and no one liked it, and then Ultimate Warrior showed up. That was the dream that match like we never had. If, Ultimate Warrior like, and Renegade. Whew. We, got Gil- we got Gilbert and Goldberg. We did not get the Renegade no. in the Ultimate Warrior. Also, I think there are a couple universal things in wrestling. If you headbutt a Samoan, you have to sell it. Yeah. Um, Ric Flair is going to win with a figure four in spite of never working the leg the entire match. Sure. He never wins with a figure and four. And Hulk Hogan is going to take off a strap if you put it around his wrist. Yeah. Those are the three constants in the wrestling world. That's, that's, I, that sounds fair. That's, I was expecting more of a reaction, but you're... Uh, I, and John Cena wins. John, uh, or no, Roman Reigns wins. Yeah. Oh, Austin we, must stun. We are going to talk <laughs> Hogan about... Hogan must pose, Austin yeah, must stun. Austin must stun. <laughs> <laughs> 
we, we are going to talk about Roman Reigns here in a little bit with Eric Bischoff. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about Uncensored 1995? I mean, I don't think it was as bad as everybody really? as everybody thinks that it is. I mean, it's it, it, like you said, it was definitely not the worst pay-per-view. It wasn't no. the best, but it really wasn't that bad. They've with the exception worse. of one match, I think it's a very watchable pay-per-view. WCW has done worse in 1995. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll pull well, it which up. one it is? I mean, I mean, well, if you have to pull it up, obviously they couldn't do worse. I thought the, I thought the pay-per-view on the beach was amazing. To be I, honest, I mean, but, between like I really enjoyed the boxer wrestler match. I really enjoyed Avalanche and Savage. The King of the Road, exactly like you said, unique. Just went way too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, so just because like, there's so much you can yeah. do in that match. So I mean, it definitely had its good moments. Yeah, then Hulk Hogan ended the main event by beating someone who he was not wrestling. So that was weird. But it's funny because WWF did that six months later and nobody complained. With with, with which match? When it remember. was like Diesel and Sean against Bulldog and, and Right, and because then the next night they stripped up the Exactly, titles. but I'm saying like like for them to be criticized for that, well, WWE did the same thing six months later. He'd been doing Owen wasn't in the match. He People was criticized like, that match for okay, that. Okay, Encyclopedia <laughs> of Sports Entertainment. We could do this all night, I am well, let's so go. sure. But, well, it's time. Who do you have to be out? It's time to add, uh, add someone else to the conversation, and that is Eric Bischoff. So we will be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Welcome back to After 83 Weeks. Joining us now is the executive producer and eventual president of WCW. He's an author, entrepreneur, and the host of 83 Weeks. Say hello to Eric Bischoff. Hello, hey. sir. <laughs> Woo. That was a big one. I'm excited. <laughs> I love that. Well, I actually thought about you a little bit earlier this week. If you saw the Minnesota hockey teams making all the news for their crazy hair, they all have like these mullets and such. They look like an 80s wrestling faction. I just thought that might be something that you would have noticed as well. <laughs> no, I don't pay much attention to hockey. And I and, and, and I'm support people that do. Hockey's a great sport. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to talk to me again, but this hockey's not my fault. Breaking news, Eric Bischoff hates hockey. You do love there you it. Go. That's you, what it'll be tomorrow morning. <laughs> you do love cool hair, though, so I suggest you check out some of those pictures. But right. uh, welcome to the show. Great to see you again this week. How have you been? I've been great. Had a great weekend. Mrs. B and I went up to uh, Bozeman, Montana and hung oh, yeah. out over the weekend. It was just awesome. I love Bozeman. That's cool. Well, uh, we want to kick it off with you tonight by playing a new fun game that, uh, you know, because, I mean, I'm not super creative, so I'm just going to call it Who the F Said It. <laughs> All right. What are, the what are the stakes? All right. So, uh, well, you are the only contestant. <laughs> it's <laughs> you against yourself. They're sick of me winning each week, so <laughs> this right. time we're just throwing it on you. We're giving someone else a chance. I'm going to read you a quote of something uh, noteworthy that a wrestler or wrestling personality has said recently. And we're going to see if you know who said it, who I'm talking about. And then you can kind of, you know, weigh in on it a little bit and such. And we're going to start really easy. So don't uh, don't be too scared. Don't be don't be nervous. All right. Recently, (laughs) a wrestler you worked with in WCW said this. No, dude, this had nothing to do with Eric Bischoff or myself. I could never say, can I work with Savage? When Randy saw what was going on with the NWO thing, he's the one that went to Bischoff and said, I want to work with him. Eric Bischoff, who claims that he told you Randy Savage wanted to work with him? ADP. <laughs> I was going to say, who would be so audacious? That was he said, an easy one. He said it. Okay, okay, I got it. Okay, I don't know if you even heard him say it. <laughs> Well, it was too easy. This, this next one, uh, I know you pay attention to the news, but who would be so audacious as to say, quote, 
about Roman Reigns' leukemia um, treatment. There was an NHL player who had the same thing Roman Reigns had in the 2007 season who did not miss one game. He played every game while on this, and hockey's a pretty damn demanding sport, so everyone's different. He actually said the pill was oral chemotherapy, but I don't think it was. End quote. Eric Bischoff, who would question Roman Reigns' cancer treatment? Douchebag Dave Meltzer. (laughs) You got it! You are good at this. Okay, bonus point. Uh, A little bonus for you. Who came out in defense of Roman Reigns and said this on Twitter? Dave Meltzer is a piece of shit. The fact that you make statements about people's health when you have zero knowledge about it is ridiculous. If you do have access to Superstar's personal medical info, that's a huge violation of HIPAA, and I'm sure that's not the case, so shut your mouth. Nia Jax was reading my mind. I love, <laughs> I love it. All right, a couple more. You know, I have my critics in WWE, as we all do, as people do when you're there for very long. It's a very unique community, and I have no regrets. The smartest thing I ever did was come to work for Vince McMahon in 1993. Someone who just recently announced that he's on his way out said this. Wow, you got me on that one. This is one Jim Ross who uh, just said in the kind of adding to these comments, he said, you know, there are people backstage at WWE who don't think he can do play-by-play anymore and that he is effectively now leaving the company at the end of this month. What do you think about that? I think there are probably bright things in JR's future or he wouldn't have left. That's what I think. (laughs) I know JR pretty well. He's a smart man. He's a businessman. And uh, he's doing what's best for JR's business at this point. So, um, look, I... You know, he said all the right things when you're leaving. The last thing you want to do is burn a bridge, particularly, you know, one that need not be burned. Um, He said all the right things, and I wish him well. I think he's going to do – I think he's going to be a very happy guy at AEW. I love that. Well, you also mentioned that you said Nia Jax was sort of reading your mind as far as the Dave Meltzer thing goes. You're obviously not a fan of his. Is that – I mean, what, what response can we even have to him saying that? I think it's typical of Dave. He can't help himself. You know, he's he's trying to compete now in a world that's leaving him way, way, way behind. And it appears to me, at least, he's becoming more desperate in saying dumber things and doing dumber things and making a bigger ass of himself now than he ever has, which is kind of hard to imagine. But he's, he's accomplishing it. It's like every week, you know, it's whether he's body shaming, you know, Peyton Royce or whether he's questioning Roman Reigns' cancer uh, prognosis or treatment or, you know, seeing any number of other dumb things just to get attention. Because there's, look, the internet, social media now, talent like myself or former talent like myself and so many others who now have their own platforms, whether it's social media or Patreon or YouTube or whatever it may be, a podcast. Everybody now has a platform to reach the masses and can talk about facts and truth and what really happened and what didn't. And as a result of that, Dave Meltzer is getting his ass kicked. (laughs) His reaction is to do even bigger and dumber things. So that's my take. All right, we love getting your take on this. So how about one more? This is someone who you talked about last week on your 1997 Uncensored episode, and he said this on Twitter about Ronda Rousey's wrestling is fake promo. He said, I love this. I imagine fans are losing their shit over it since they have been stuck in this millennial wrestling bubble. Anxious to see what's next. All right, this is someone who had his own kind of uh, fun gimmicky... uh, 
crazy stuff going on back in the day? Someone you talked about last week? Oh man, and I read the quote. I mean, I saw the I saw the the tweet, so I know what you're talking about, and I just can't remember. This won't be for um, for our audio listeners, but for those of us who have tuned in on YouTube, guys, let's give him a hint. Ready? In three, two, one. Oh, I was doing this part. Hey, Macarena. Anybody? Mine was was actually the gimmick. He also did that with the gimmick. All right. Well, since I'm I'm pooping out on this over here, I'm talking about disco. Oh, okay. (laughs) That that, yeah. I was thrown off by doing a macarena. (laughs) That was not planned. Any excuse to do the macarena, guys. The macarena threw me for a loop. (laughs) Me too. That was cheating on your part. Feel like there was varying levels, varying levels of support from the table <laughs> as well. Well, Eric, how about all this fallout from uh, Ronda Wrestling, Ronda Rousey saying that wrestling is fake and kind of giving this promo? She's talking about the WWE universe and really going far with all of this. What's your reaction? I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, and I've you know, been saying this for since I've been doing my podcasts and doing interviews and things. You know, to me. The WWE is so uh, formulaic, and they have to be. You know, this is not a criticism. They have to be. They're in the television business. They're in the advertising business. They're in a sponsorship business. They're in a licensing and merchandising business. So they they have to to have a formula that works that makes everybody happy. So it's not a critique. However, one of the manifestations of that highly controlled formula is that everything seems kind of the same. There's a sameness. It's not bad. It's just all very good the same. And now what I'm seeing at least is Rhonda and Becky. You know, I've been talking about Becky now for weeks. Every time I'm on with you guys, I'm talking about Becky. Now Rhonda's stepping up. You know, if you step back and take all your, you know, politically correct hats off and just look at it from a wrestling point of view, what do we have? You know, you have Becky Lynch, who in my opinion is the female version of Stone Cold Steve Austin and quickly becoming you know, I'm not going to say as popular. That would be overstating it and screwing up expectations. But she's well on her way. The trajectory is certainly there. It's not going to happen overnight. But she is definitely – the ship has sailed. She's about halfway home, right? And now you've got Ronda Rousey who is absolutely turning herself. Whether – this is the beauty of this. I don't know whether it's WWE managing her to this point or her discovering it herself. Yeah. I don't know if it's orchestrated. I don't know if it's written. I don't know if it's approved, if it's not approved. I have no idea. I'm as cynical, and I don't mean cynical in a negative way, but I've pretty much seen it done a lot in the wrestling business, so nothing really surprises me. And I'm fairly jaded, and it's hard to get my attention. But, man, does Rhonda and Becky have my attention. Like, like no one's been able to capture it since Steve Austin, in my opinion. He's, it's just good and it's edgy and it's it's a little dangerous and you're not quite sure if it's really written and approved or if it's just these two kind of letting loose. I just mm-hmm. dig it and I dig the fact that I don't know. I don't want to know. Well, they'll all be in a triple threat match at WrestleMania. It sounds like you think that would be main event worthy. I do, I do, and I, you know, I, you know, I'm gonna be careful how I say this. Um, Everybody knows that's ever worked with me or listened to me talk about stuff. I, I like a simple formula. I like a good guy, in this case, a good woman and a bad woman. 
I like antagonists and protagonists, and I like clear definitions, and I and I like a story that's compelling, and there are stakes involved, something that we can look at two people going, I want that, no, I want that more. That's basic good story. The minute you make it a triple threat, you dilute that relatability, in my opinion. Now, a lot of people like that kind of stuff because visually the match is more interesting. I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. A, a match with three people and the possibilities and the combination of things that you can do from a in-ring action point of view are much greater in a, in a triple threat than they are with just two people. But the story isn't as good and the stakes aren't the same to have three people fighting over something as opposed to two with decidedly different characters and clearly defined ones at that. So I would prefer to see a main event with, with Rhonda uh, and Becky as opposed to a triple threat. But if you're going to have a triple threat because you want to deliver a match, and I understand that part, nobody better than Charlotte to be in there. So I'm, I'm happy either way, but I really dig the, the, the Rhonda-Becky stuff because I believe it. Wow, that's awesome. Well, all right, congratulations, <laughs> sir. You have gotten four out of five on Who the F Said It. No, I think I got, I, was it four out of five or three out of five? No, well, you got three. Didn't I was, was, was going to give you that. I was going to give you the, uh, the JR, but okay, okay, three out of five. You're so honest. <laughs> all right. Uh, All right, let's move, let's move on to some questions from the fans and from these guys here. Uh, this question is from at CrunchyNES. Both Arn Anderson and Harlem Heat had matches, but neither had to put their titles on the line, period. Why? It wasn't necessary. That's fair. That's fair. That teases Sometimes you up. it's just that simple, right? It's just that simple. <laughs> there's no there's there's no Wizard of Oz behind the scenes making these decisions about whether we should or we, sh- we shouldn't every single time. There could have been any number of reasons. Not to be a smartass, but there could have been any number of reasons for it. Um, continuity with other things that were going on. Who knows what it – I mean, it could have had a lot to do depending on when it was. We taped our shows – uh, at Disney MGM Studios so far in advance, knowing what we were going to be doing on a pay-per-view, it just might not have made sense at that time. There could have been any number of explanations for that. Uh, the XFL was like an epic failure, but the NFL still kind of picked up on a lot of their you know, production stuff. Uh, before Extreme Rules, there was uncensored. WCW was far from a failure, but how does it feel knowing that WCW kind of did these things first years before even WWE did it? How does it feel that you guys were a, a bit ahead of the game? I, I never thought about it, uh, and, I, and I never realized that Uncensored was around before Extreme Rules. But I think, you know, it doesn't make me feel good, or, or, or it doesn't, I don't really relate to it at all. You know, I guess it's a cool thing. You know, I like to think that WCW laid the groundwork and was well ahead of our time in a lot of ways, from going live first to the type of reality-based characters and storyline that we introduced with the NWO. Um, the way we shot backstage and opened up the platform or the, the stage, so to speak, so we could tell a lot of our stories in parts of the arena that had never been done before. There were so many of the cruiserweight division. There were so many things that we were so ahead of our time on, some of which still you know, have survived 20 years later yeah. and, and are part of programming today. Um, overall, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm aware of that, but I don't, I don't dwell on it because I don't dwell on the past too much. <laughs> with with the unique um, style of different ideas, obviously you guys talked a lot about the King of the Road match that you had during this. One thing that was not asked, why did you decide to have this open the show? Was it just because the camera shots that it was still daylight at the time was going, or was there something else to it? 
No, it was absolutely that. You know, you, you have to have some sort of continuity. And if we would have saved that match, say, mid-show, you know, pay-per-views typically started at 8 o'clock. This was in March. So theoretically, it's still kind of light out um, in, in, in March at, at 8 o'clock in the evening. You could kind of allow yourself to believe that. It's probably borderline. But um, if we were to try to put that King of the Road match on, let's say, at 9.30 at night, people would have been going, well, wait, because we taped it the day before. Mm-hmm. So people would have said, wait a minute, how could, how could this be going on live if it's daylight in the middle of, you know, 10 o'clock at night? So it, we were, more or less, we didn't have a choice. We, we had to put it out first because of the, the daylight situation. Uh, Morton McDougal wants to know, what games did you play at the Mohican Sun Casino? Also, <laughs> also did you pee in the indoor pool? <laughs> oh come on Bischoff is a classy guy no I, I didn't play in the indoor pool and I, you know I don't gamble hmm. I, I love going to casinos I love people watching in casinos I love watching other people lose their money <laughs> <laughs> and get excited when they win I enjoy all that I, what I really enjoy when I go to a casino is obviously uh, eating and drinking because most casinos and Mohegan Sun's no different. You know, they got some fantastic restaurants in there. I mean, really good restaurants. So um, I I had a great meal and a couple beers and enjoyed people watching. That's all I did. Uh, you got a little upset during the show when Conrad kind of mentioned that Hogan was kind of ultimately the guy in charge of WCW. But to what extent was he in charge? Because here he had full creative control. But, I mean, so you guys would pitch things and he would just veto, veto, veto. Like, at what point was it like, all right, Hogan, you kind of have to do what we, what, we, what we say? The scenario that you just described, it never happened. Uh-huh. There was never – first of all, it'll be really clear. And I'm glad this question came up here uh, because, you know, creative control, it, it's, a, it's a term. It's a legal term um, that exists that people can interpret – could mean anything. It could be very broad. You could creative control of the entire show. No, he didn't have that. He had creative control over his character and his story, not the rest of the show. So there was never a scenario where I was pitching ideas for anything other than a match that involved Hulk. He had no control over the rest of the show. Nor did he want any, quite frankly. Um, the only time that I ever had an issue when it came to creative and control is the Sting Hogan match 97. That was the only time. Never prior to that had there ever been any, no, that's not going to work for me, so we had to pitch up something else. Mm -hmm. More often than not, which I I would submit to you, by the way, probably still happens in the WWE to this day. I don't give two shits what anybody says. (laughs) When you've got your top talent, a John Cena, an Undertaker, you know, you, you, you name your top talent. And I'm, I'm talking about talent that's on a roll. Now. When I say top talent, when you, a John Cena type person who's been in that spot now for a long time and who's literally carrying the company, when it's time for that, that person to be involved in something, you better believe there's a conversation and you better believe sometimes the talent is going to go, oh, it doesn't quite work for me that way. Maybe we'll do it this way. That's the way it should be, by the way. Because the talent's got to relate to it. The talent's got to feel it, often, especially if there's writers involved. Because so often, again, not being critical, it's just a fact of life. These writers, most writers can't relate to the character nearly as well as the character can. Mm-hmm. 
character knows his character oftentimes better than people writing for them. So you've got to have kind of a meeting in the mind sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And like I said, you better believe that happens to this day in WWE. When a top talent is given something and, and it doesn't make any sense to them, do you think they just go, oh, well, this is what they want me to do, so I'm going to do it? Absolutely not. Chris Jericho was a perfect example of that when he was in WWE. When I was there, when Chris Jericho was there, Chris was he was in Brian Gewurz's face all the time. Wow. Not in a negative way, by the way. It was a very collaborative, positive kind of back and forth, which is the way it should be. But that's the extent of Hogan's creative control. So much has been made of that. And it all started with douchebag Dave Meltzer, probably, <laughs> um, harping on that because he didn't really understand what it meant, nor did he know that Hogan never played that card but one time with me. And that was a very collaborative type of process. I listened to his reasoning, and we talked about that quite a bit, and we made a decision that we made. But that's not like, no, I'm not doing that. It's not him you know, making us do cartwheels and jump through flaming hoops to get him to agree to something. That never happened. That's not who he is. I got that all cleared up. We got time for one yeah, more, guys. I got one more question, and I feel like it's a good way to end this with a question about fashion. Uh, so... <laughs> The commentators, yeah, yeah, I thought you liked that. A former model. Oh, yeah, yes, of course he is. And uh, look at him now. He's sitting here in a $3 sweatshirt with a beard. <laughs> well, I look like a homeless person. Well, I'm just curious, like, on the WWE side, during WrestleMania, their biggest show of the year, the commentators typically are in tuxedos. Other than that, they're in their usual garb. Road Wild, we have the commentators in leather. Bash at the Beaches, they're in, like, Hawaiian shirts. Uncensored. They're in tuxedos. <laughs> I Why? I can feel this in <laughs> Why? <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> look. We dropped the ball. <laughs> you know, since it was uncensored, I mean, I think Tony should have come in a thong. Yes. Mm. Oh, can you see, imagine Tony Schiavone sitting there? I don't want to. I, <laughs> I just did. Tony Schiavone today would. I just, I just did. Oh, no, he would do it. He would, especially if he could get Klondike Bill to do it with it, right? Um, yeah, and or Dusty. Maybe, you know, yeah. Dusty in some Bermuda shorts and a wife beater, you know, or or Bobby Heenan, you know, in one of those one of those uh, Europe, European kind of swimsuit banana hammock guys. You sure. Know, the, that I can the, see. All, all the sixty-year-old guys that hang out at the beach trying to, <laughs> to hook up with a twenty-one-year-old, you know, put Bobby Heenan in a banana hammock, Dusty in a white beater, and some Bermuda shorts, and and Tony in a thong. That would have been perfect for uncensored. Thematically, we would have been right on the money. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, n next time. Next time. Yeah. Fashion fashion full pause aside, we have fun covering this one with you, Eric. And thank you for giving us your time again this evening. It was great chatting with you. Good to talk to you guys as always, and look forward to seeing you next week. Uncensored '96, week. can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Safe travels. Bye bye. Yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, juicy as per usual, and he was very good at who the f said it. Unsurprisingly, he was. Yes. He was. He he knew who the f said it. <laughs> who the f? No, I don't know. That's like a sixty percent. That's, that's passing. Uh, Listen, I'm gonna give it to him. 
because we uh, we up here on his channel. And on that note, <laughs> if our fans out there would like to make sure they get a question to us or uh, just tell you what they think, because you guys have a lot of opinions around here, where do they reach out to you and tell you you're wrong, Kristen Rosenberg? Well, they'll tell me I'm right because I'm <laughs> never wrong. At Ro Rosenberg on Twitter, Instagram, the Ro Rosenberg, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Christian Rosenberg. What did Disco Inferno do with the Macarena? We uh, can follow me at G Hermosa, G H E R M O Z A. Nikki Bella tweeted me today, but I already said that. You already did. Also, Christy, it is Eric Bischoff's fucking channel. Yes. So we can talk that way. I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F M A N N. I run a lot of YouTube channels, including this one. And I save the F-bumps for when they're really, really important. Fair. And you guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports. I got some new fun things coming, big announcements down the pike. So make sure you are following. And we will see you guys next week for Uncensored 1996. Have a good one. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.